0: Heard about Tehachapi. Heard about you guys got snow, which is always weird for a Southern California person. And uh, yeah, just to be here and uh, heard about this church. Uh, you get, the way you guys have wrapped your arms around Jonathan and Liesel, just brought them in. Uh, they have nothing but great things to say about you guys. Uh, I was telling Nathan as I was uh, there with my wife watching and singing along with the words. You know, you can tell a lot about a church by the content of the f- songs that they're singing. And uh, just, uh, you know, Obviously, man, first time in this building, getting to meet most of you, uh, just a privilege to have a part in this incredible day. Uh, last night, as I was reworking this thing here, I was going back to uh, our commissioning service when my wife and I, uh, back in you know the year 00 AD, uh, got commissioned to go to Papua New Guinea, and uh, she was 22, I was 23, and her mother decided to sing a song at our commissioning service, and our goal was to be there five years on our first team, first term and uh, so my mother-in-law gets up to sing this song an old missionary classic so send I you and she's bawling and choking her way through the lyrics of this heart wrenching song and I gotta get up and preach afterwards Uh, not a good start so uh, this is not meant to be a tearjerker we're just going to cover some basic things uh, responsibilities and expectations valid expectations we're going to put that right over there uh Yeah, expectations uh, for what should you guys expect from Jonathan and Lisa? What should they expect from you? And I think uh, Pastor Nathan's already covered a bit of that. Uh, But, you know, these commissioning services are kind of like communion times. And I'm not sure what your tradition here is, how often you guys have communion. But commissioning services are healthy reminders of what we are all about. Even as communion, we are redeemed people. We're the people of God. At great price, the Son of God had to shed His blood. And we're reminded of that on on a regular basis as we take communion. Uh, and and I love doing that with my church and commissioning services remind us too of our Savior's last command therefore go and make disciples of all nations and he says it in Matthew 28 he says it in Mark 16 he says it in Luke 24 he says it in John 20 he says it there finally in Acts chapter 1 verses 7 and 8 Uh, our Savior at the end of his life he didn't have a bunch of different topics that he was uh, uh, preaching on that he was wanting to remind him on. Uh, he before he was crucified buried resurrected he talked about my responsibilities as a husband as a father he talked about my responsibility to my government uh you know to a a lot of responsibilities that jesus broached uh, to those who would be his followers but the end of his life at the end of his life he came back to one topic again and again and again now go you're not people of israel anymore Go. You're not people of the land anymore. Your kingdom is there. Your home is there. And so this service here, we focus on that last command. Uh, I was raised in a Navy family. I know a lot about commands. I know about uh, contravening orders, initial orders, last orders. Okay, my dad was 45 years in the Navy, joined up December 8th, 1941. And so I was raised, as my dad was uh, gone from me a lot, with an understanding of what it is when you get last orders. Last orders are the first things that you're about. When my dad would come back from a deployment, he would not with a a ship, uh, he was out blown off atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs. The first thing my dad did was, okay, what did you do with what I told you to get done? And folks, if this can be a recentering, a recalibrating time for all of us this morning, even as we in particular look at Jonathan and Liesl and what is dauntingly, and I really appreciate the preamble to so much of this, that uh, the difficulty is off the charts. Sometimes I feel like a phony as an instructor at Radius. Man, what we're sending these guys out to do is nothing less than what uh, those guys marching around the walls of Jericho, uh, the obstacles in front of them. And so again, for all of us to take on that responsibility, and I know there are some of you like, should I stand? Am I really committing myself to pray for these guys? Um, Folks, if you're not praying for them and if you're not uh, praying for the people group that they're going to, um, they could break their brains working so hard to learn the first language to learn the second language to, to have a viable business unless god prepares the hearts of those people and it's all for nothing and so in a sense again this is a recalibrating time for all of us <clears throat> uh, it's also uh, a sobering time uh, to me in, in some ways it's kind of like a a funeral uh, do you know when they sent out adoniram judson and ann judson Uh, and another young couple with them uh, from Salem, Massachusetts back in the early 1800s the whole church and and the church quadrupled in size people from the town came that day because of these two incredible young couples that had dedicated their lives to take the gospel to Burma and the realization was very clear, we're probably not going to see any of them ever again and they didn't see, the one couple both died in Burma Anne Heseltine, and Judson, she died in Burma. Uh, Judson would have another wife, she would die in Burma. He would bury most of his children in Burma. Uh, that's a long time ago. Medicines have improved, communications improved, travels improved, a lot of things have improved. and So uh, we're looking at a very different world. Uh, we don't experience near the attrition as far as life and death due to health and disease. Uh, but I'll, I will say, man, the organization that my wife and I were a part of for 35 years, and the years that we were overseas, uh, not in the country we worked in, but seven of our missionaries were captured and shot, okay, executed. Uh, that's much more common today. Uh, we had rebels that came across the border where we were serving, and uh, man, we had to get evacuated because they were taking hostages that had North American passports. So it, it's a much more turbulent politically, uh, politically turbulent world that these guys are going into. Uh, now we've got you know COVID. We have uh, all kinds of issues like that. Um, Obviously they're going to a major Religious block that is incredibly Difficult to penetrate These are some of the things that are in front of these folks And it's good to know these things Um, What are we expecting out of them As they've heard many, many, many Many times at radius We expect them to stay and do their job Stay and do your job Uh, It's pretty simple actually It's really, really hard But it's very simple Just stay and do your job Um, you know, there's one life that we all like to go back to, and uh, we we talk about the Apostle Paul, and we can learn much from Peter and John, Uh, we can learn so much from Barnabas, but uh, I hope you have your Bibles, we're going to start off in Acts chapter 9, and as we talk about the Apostle Paul being our greatest model, it's uh, good for us to be aware that he doesn't model for us in everything, Paul never had to get a visa, Uh, Paul (coughs) uh, brought his trade with him, Uh, Paul had already learned languages the needed languages by the time he was in ministry Paul was a fully developed capable worker these guys are going to spend so many years just getting to the point as Nathan exhorted them preach the gospel it will be years until they can preach the gospel intelligently to that interior language group pray for them pray for the diligence and tenacity to keep going to press hard and hard and hard Uh, For my wife and I, Uh, we lived in the jungles of New Guinea for seven years before we saw the first person come to Christ. And we were jumping up and down singing hallelujah. Uh, And you will be too when you hear about the first people that understand the gospel from their lips. All the tithing and giving and praying will be worth it when that first person comes to Christ. But understand this, when that first person comes to Christ, they're just getting started. We were rejoicing when the first people came to Christ. And I'm thinking, man, seven years. And then it hit us. It's going to be so much, it's going to take so much more time to see these baby believers, these baby Christ followers develop individually to maturity to where a church could be formed among them. So it took us another 13 years we, t- to see a church formed. We did not intend to stay in New Guinea 20 years. That's just what it took. Okay? And as these guys go to Southeast Asia, South, <clears throat> South Asia, um, one of the things that they've been trained uh, to think in terms of decades how long is it going to take? Till it's done. Till it's done. Till there's a healthy church there. We look at the Apostle Paul back in Acts chapter 9. Let's just be reminded of some basic things uh, that, in particular, are in front of them. But we should all be understanding our place in this. <clears throat> we know that Paul uh, gets knocked off his donkey on the road to Damascus. And uh, he has that face-to-face interaction with Jesus. And anyway, he goes into the town of Damascus because he's blinded. And it says in verse 10, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias! And the Lord said, He said, Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias gets the call. Ananias gets the call from God. And what does he do? Yes, my God. Does he salute and head down there? No, he starts playing 20 questions with God. No, is he instantly obedient? That, that's, you know, that's the overwhelming response of scripture. Uh, when Moses gets the call from God, go back there to Egypt and get my people, bring them out, what does he do? Starts playing 20 questions with God. God has to put him in the half Nelson, slam him from that. And so finally, you know, Moses taps out. Same thing with uh, Jonah. Moses gets a clear call. You go over there and preach to the Ninevites. Heck no. He goes 180 de- degrees. <clears throat> the overwhelming, you know, people thought, man, and I'm, I'm sure they have had to answer this question numerous times. Tell me about your call. <clears throat> you know, one of the fun things to do, that uh, happens within the first week as new students come down to Radius. Um, we start, uh, we, everybody gives their testimony, and um, a couple people talk about their call, and then after a few days, people finally develop enough confidence to be able to say i never had a call i read jesus words and i said okay i'll do it i'll do it i'm the most common thing is i'm really afraid and i don't want to do it we commend that that's a very healthy starting place to pursue this thing this audacious thing because the word of god alone is authoritative enough for that to be the reason we step forward. Because our Savior spoken. Our Savior has made his intent crystal clear. And I tell you what, I remember, I, I was raised underneath a youth pastor. I hated the guy. I just hated the guy. I mean, his words brought me to faith in Christ. But as soon as you became a follower of Jesus, he was hammering us and hammering us on Jesus' command to take the gospel to the nations. He would tell us on a regular basis, I was raised in San Diego, big time into surfing and loving life down there and he would tell us on a regular basis San Diego doesn't need another youth pastor I've got it covered get out of here and a ton of us did it's exciting to meet with some of your elders you know and hear their heartbeat man talking with Mike last night oh my gosh and to see that heartbeat here we want to see them be the first of many 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 when I went off uh, on a train to go back east to start my training there were 13 12 other folks there were 13 folks from our youth group and every six months there would be another few people going 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 um the call ananias gets the call i don't think so the fact is if jesus came through this door and he started walking down the aisles i want you in zimbabwe i want you in namibia i want you in Tajikistan, i want you in india <clears throat> most of us would say yeah i don't think so <sighs> yeah I mean, clarity of the call isn't the issue it's a willingness to obey the clear words of jesus Folks, you've got a big job to do here in Tehachapi. And I'm not trying to imply that everybody ought to be following them out to South Asia. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm looking around here and I'm seeing a lot of folks that are young enough and healthy enough to where you better be ready to say to the Lord Jesus, why did you not do this? I I realize a lot of folks, they grow up in the faith and they, they don't hear the clarity of Christ's last commands until they're in their 40s and 50s. And, and not just you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but that's really not going to be a great age to start down this thing uh, they got the call or Ananias got the call and here's here's uh, as we read further verse 13 Lord Ananias answered I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem and he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all I don't think so Lord <clears throat> verse 15 but the Lord answer, said to Ananias Go! This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And that was the first thing. See, the other disciples, they had seen Christ crucified. They had a strong visual on that. Paul hadn't seen that. But he's going to be informed by Ananias, you're going to suffer a lot. And Paul would pass on that message that that foundational message to be a follower of jesus there is suffering involved with this and everywhere paul will go we'll read it in acts chapter 14 in a couple minutes and then to philippians it's very clear man has been given to you not only to believe in him but to suffer for his name that's who we are and guys it's going to break your heart some of the things they're going to go through some of the things the boys are going to go through Uh, difficult things Uh, putting our three kids on an airplane and seeing them fly off to a boarding school for months at a time heart uh, the price tag on their marriage the price tag on their kids there will be some of you that will be flirting with the idea of man maybe you should come home for this one things that, within their families events major events within their families they will miss out on let's all stiffen up Say, you got a job to do as a church back them up when they're wobbling back them up guys you knew this was coming we're praying for you we're standing behind you And then you know what, folks? You do the same. As a church, uh, our church that sent us out, we had a a service so similar to this, and elders of the church came up and laid hands on us. By the time we came back on our first furlough, half of those elders were gone, and a big chunk of the church. The issue came up, and it was just tragic. Um, You do your job here. Do your job in Tehachapi. Uh, The the issue of suffering is is a mandatory part If we're going to be life givers We must give our life Turn over to uh, Just take a brief diversion back to John chapter 12 And this has been a We call it the immutable principle Of being a life giver The immutable principle This comes from These are the words of Jesus himself Do we want to be spiritual life givers to others This is 101 If we really want people to get life the life of christ via our message if we want god's anointing on our message here's what he says the lord jesus <clears throat> chapter 12 verse 24 i tell you the truth unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains only a single seed you know the death and degradation process of the single seed the little kernel of wheat that goes into the ground it semi-rots it it does all of its degrading out of eyesight it's by itself it's lonely it's hard on the outer shell of that piece, kernel of wheat or kernel of corn, either way. It says this. <clears throat> but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And, you know, you, many of you have gotten to know, Jonathan and Lisa enough to know, they're a pretty honking capable couple. They could carve out a living doing a lot of things. They are not needing to go to South Asia to make a living. That's not why they're going. A uh, very, very sharp couple And they've died to all those things. Died to them all. Uh, Who doesn't want security? Who doesn't want to know that they're going to live to XYZ age? Who doesn't want their kids raised with really good schools and a community of Christ followers where they're going to hear the gospel from many teachers and watch godly Christian families all over the place? Who doesn't want that? And they've said, that's okay. We're not going to live our life based on those things. Because why? Why? because they love going to south they're so giddy about getting on a plane and and heading to that part of the world they really got a thing about chai tea that ain't it guys they're not going there because they love chai they're going there because there's a whole language group there are many of them right now and some of you heard this already right now do you know there's roughly 3100 languages on this planet? whole languages with nothing of the gospel that's the challenge before this church to pick off as many as you can. <clears throat> man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it. They're staking everything on the fact that heaven's real. If heaven's not real, if this all there is, what a cruel joke! What a cruel joke to have expended their lives in the way that they're going to be expen- expending them. <clears throat> Sufferings at the very beginning, middle, and end of this journey. Uh, turn over to Acts chapter 13, and we'll see uh, a wonderful next thing that uh, I think is super encouraging. That, you know, as they were down at Radius, we realized that the church that they had been a part of previously, it was not going to be a, a, a real viable situation. And we had two uh, individuals, two couples actually, that are with us this year at Radius. And uh, it's just tough when people don't come from strong, healthy, sending churches. And sometimes they had been that in the past, but they pass through that stage, they're not there to see these guys land with you do you know that we look at Acts chapter 13 and we will call this typically Paul and Barnabas' Barnabas's commissioning but you know what Paul had already gone on a few journeys he'd gone over in the trans-Euphrates area uh, we read about that in Galatians chapter 1 he'd been down there in the south in, the south in uh, Syria and Cilicia, been to Arabia uh, but he wasn't sent by a church and the difference is everything the difference is everything to have a body of believers they that that they can be under their godly authority that you guys can be praying for them supporting asking questions and yes a few years from now maybe an occasional visitor they're going to be in a very exotic situation and basically the word to the church is no trespassing keep out we got a job to do and they do uh, man, when we were there, we saw the changing of the guard in regards to this. Uh, <clears throat> when we first moved to New Guinea, the world was gigantic. Seriously, Columbus was still sailing around in boats. <clears throat> and uh, nobody, nobody wanted to visit us. But you know, even though we lived, you could actually see the ends of the earth from where we lived. I mean, it was an exotic place with capital letters. And uh, as the world shrunk, travel got better. Man, hey, can we come visit? At first, we were like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, then we realized how much time we were losing. To the ministry. So, anyway, just a preemptive word on that. Uh, Chapter thirteen, verse one. In the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers: Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them." So, after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Of the leadership team with that very strong church in Antioch. Two out of five of the leaders Were designated You guys go That's a pretty heavy duty percentage That's 40% of the leadership team That was dedicated To completing the words Of the Lord Jesus And you go They had by At this point here They'd realize Man there's a lot of Situations out there uh, That don't have the gospel And the words of Jesus Was finally beginning To take an effect on them Oh, we keep going Turn in your Bibles Over to Acts chapter 14 Another thing That's in front of These folks here And uh You know, we're skipping over so much. Uh, We we read about Paul's first time in Pisidian Antioch. We read about his time in Iconium. Uh, That's in chapter 13 and 14. Uh, Paul basically preached. He got kicked out. He got kicked out. He got kicked out. He got kicked out. After there were believers in every one of these areas, Paul would eventually get kicked out. So now we get into Acts chapter 14. They're over there in Lystra. And uh, Lystra and Derby. And uh, these guys from Pisidian Antioch and uh, Iconium, they come following Paul. We pick up here verse 19, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. These guys are really good at stoning. I mean, how, how, what did Paul look like after this? They dragged him out of the city. Man, stone, 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 stone. Uh, I can't even imagine how mangled his face was. The bruising, the swelling, the disfigurement. They drag him out of the city thinking he was dead. I mean, they know how to check for a pulse. These guys aren't morons. They killed people back then. They drag him out of the city. They think, they're think they thinking he's dead. <clears throat> Verse 20. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Guys, there's going to be times for you to say to them, get up, guys. I encourage them, get up yeah that was a really hard season you just went through and for some of you that and maybe you're gonna take a dislike to pastor nathan in a few months here and just like you're gonna go quietly looking you know what suck it up stay do your job dive into this church be responsible talk to your neighbor be involved in clubs be involved with the neighborhood be Be the church here in Tehachapi or wherever you work. Do your job. Just freaking do your job because we're expecting them to do your job. Get up. Get up. Yeah, you're pretty mangled right now. That was hard. We've had graduates lose children overseas. This will be in front of these folks. There will be situations that terrify them for their two little boys to move to a safer climate, to move to a situation... um, the people group that they're going to the what do you want to call it the, <clears throat> the, no, the religious block they're going to aren't historically that hostile to Christians but there is hostility there and uh, their kids are going to feel it they'll feel it they're wise people they'll, they'll, they'll mitigate that and lessen that with, with wisdom but the fact of the matter is man we, we cannot be looking for thriving we talk a lot about this uh, with our radio students get over thriving you know, I appreciate it, I didn't, I didn't hear that in the songs, we don't read anything about that in scripture, you know what we are out to do here and there? to endure, endure hardship you're not doing well well you kind of expected that and your marriage is really feeling the stress you kind of expected that and the kids aren't getting near enough, near enough time you kind of expected that <clears throat> they're not going to South Asia again to raise kids to work on their marriage, to have great theological studies, to to, to, to to do the culture of that particular area, to drink chai tea. They're not going there. They're going there, as we see in Acts chapter fourteen. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Verse twenty one. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They said and Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fast and committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. Folks, if all they do is win 25 or 50 people in that language group, as good as that is, as wonderful as that is, if they don't stay there long enough to see those people discipled toward maturity, to see elders raised up to where there's a healthy, reproducing church, They haven't done their job. They'll have come back too quick. And I remember uh, Beth and I had been on the field 15 years. Man, we had believers. We had the basics of a church going on. But our uh, but they needed more time, and they didn't have the scriptures. And you know what happened? Uh, The agency that we were with, they hurt me deeply. Oh my gosh, I was wounded. I was crushed by uh, some well-intentioned things that happened uh, by some very godly people, and they hurt me to the core. And uh, you know what? After 15 years, and what we had done, the sacrifices we endured, man, the the sacrifices our kids had endured, we could have come home. We could have spun it just a little bit, and we would have inhaled as heroes in our church. But we knew we weren't done. We knew the Uteti Church was not ready to be left on its own, so we had to stay there. And man, there were some very painful years. In, those, in our last five years, we saw our first son graduate from high school in New Guinea and head back to America, go to college. And we stayed in New Guinea. We missed all of his college basketball playing. We saw our second son graduate from life in Papua New Guinea <coughs> High School. And he came back. And we're there working on the translation, working on the translation. You know, you raise these old varmints, you know, and there's so much work and they don't give you any satisfaction. They just, you've got to beat them and change them and train them and just a lot of work. And then they get older and they're kind of fun. You Enjoy hanging out with them. And then they graduate from high school in New Guinea and they're gone. And we have to work on the translation. And uh, the boys are known, our our older boys, they're back in college in San Diego and, and they, they, they uh, sat down together and they wrote us a, a, a letter. We, that's all you could do back then. It's letters, no emails. And they said, uh, Mom and Dad, we're really proud of you. We know how hard this is. Stay. Finish well. Finish well. And when these guys have gone through separations or whatever form the, the, the grind is going to take on them, you be the ones to, to tell them, stay. Stay. Do your job. The church isn't formed yet. You've got a job to do. And again, man, read your own writing you stay too. You stay faithful to the thing that God has put in front of you to do. <clears throat> Paul's first journey, um, man, wonderful. And then you know what? At the end of the first journey, Acts chapter 14, let's, let's move on there. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch. Coming back here to Tehachapi, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. After the first missionary journey, the second missionary journey, and the third journey. The well, third one is a little bit dicey here. But uh, <clears throat> both those journeys, they reported back to the church in Antioch. They are under your authority. Pray for them. Use that wisely. There's going to be many situations you're going to have to look at Christar. You're going to have to look at some agency, other leaders out there for some direction. Okay? Understand that balance well. Because the, the issues they're going to be dealing with are very, very, very tricky. Very tricky. But you are their church. And you know what, when the boys get old enough and they, uh, and this happens to many of us, uh, they gotta come back, they gotta call home somewhere. They're gonna be coming back to you. And as our boys live with families in the church, some of you guys are gonna become their aunts and uncles, parents, so to speak, their substitute. Uh, be ready, church, be ready to take their kids back when that, that point in their life comes along. Uh, those are blessed things, uh, they really are. Uh, but uh, look down the road, a lot of things are coming at you. And then I hate to, hate to bring this up, but um, I feel like I should. Turn over to Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul <clears throat> said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Paul had the intention of going, beginning to go back through that area that they had covered in the first missionary journey. And Barnabas, this guy Barnabas, who had been such a dear friend, the son of encouragement, who had actually uh, brought Paul, who had such a bad reputation, he brought Paul into where the other apostles could actually see his face and hear his heart, and that's how he was accepted in uh, to the initial apostolic group. Barnabas, his dear, dear friend, uh, he wants to go back on a second journey where they had previously gone in verse 37 Barnabas wanted to take John also called Mark with him but Paul and Barnabas did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus Paul chose Silas and left commanded by the the brothers for the grace of the Lord that wonderful first missionary team Paul and Barnabas split happens all the time happens all the time the team that they are going to join it's already happened there once some of the first people that graduated out of radius wonderful people wonderful people, I I mean that in all sincerity but when they got to the field something began to change something began to change and uh, it took them off the field pray for these guys um the pressures of where they're going the pressures of now working day to day today today with and i know all the people on the team guys as i see them phenomenal phenomenal people and many of you have met all the team members on their team but I encourage I, I mean that uh, I, i'm not talking hyperbole and i talk in hyperbole once in a while <coughs> Uh, these guys are, these guys are cream, but you know what? what they have set their lives apart to do in starting these businesses and learning the local language where there are no believers, the enemy is so against them. he will take these six very mature people and he'll try to twist them and turn them and twist them and turn them and, and, and spot the hurtful things his ways are insidious. Pray for these folks. Pray that that team would stay together. And if you sense them wobbling, and call them down. And then lastly, i got to shut up here in a few minutes, so I'll just tell you. Yeah, you can you can breathe easy. I'm not going to go further. Uh, lastly, uh, the charge to all of us. Finish well. Finish well. Uh, let's go back to Acts chapter 21. And we see Paul. <clears throat> Paul has a few finishing situations. This is at the end of his, well, actually, let's go to Acts 21st. That's chapter twenty. Uh, Paul is summarizing his third missionary journey. He's uh, he's got he's been in uh, with the Ephesian church there now for three years. He's taught them day and night. He's poured himself into them, and as he meets with them on kind of a, a, a beach uh, front area there, because he doesn't have time to go all the way into to Ephesus itself, and so he asks the elders, "Would you come on out? I got I got a couple more things I got to say to you." And uh, he starts it off because the Spirit of God has made clear to him. <coughs> That it's going to be hard. And so in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, I'm now compelled. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders who he loved. It's going to be a long uh, uh, exhortation. We'll only read a few verses. But get the heartbeat of Paul as he looks forward to going back to Jerusalem. The Spirit of God has made something clear to Paul. Something tough awaits me. He says it like this in verse 22. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I consider my life worth nothing. What are you ready to lay your life down for what are you in fact laying your life down for? because you're all in the process of laying your life down for something. I was 17 years old I'd only been a Christian for two months and um, I'd worked diligently at Kentucky Fried Chicken down on the beach you know, so I could save my money I had to go to Hawaii and go surfing big waves over there because my sister had a house right off a pipeline <laughs> and that was my God uh, before I got saved and I you know was still in contention. And uh, I remember going out surfing Pipeline one day, and uh, and it was way, way, way past me. Man, I I was not uh, a competent enough guy. I only surfed Southern California waves, and I got I got crushed by a wave there. And, and uh, I'll spare you the details because we don't have time. But as I washed in on the shore finally, and I thought I was going to lose my life. Uh, I really did. I was a really good in the water guy. Uh, I washed up on the shore, and I sat there looking at those waves. And it hit me. It was a pretty serious thought for a 17-year-old kid. And it hit me. I came that close to to giving my life for surfing. I don't want to do that. I'd already taken an application for missionary training. And uh, the Lord made it clear to me. What are you right now in the process of giving your life for? It might not be as dramatic. It might not be as obvious. It might not be as well thought out. But you are, in fact, giving your life for something. You're doing it. Paul says, I'll, I'll lay down my life for the gospel. Yeah, the Spirit of God in every city I go to warns me that trials await me. We go over to chapter 21. <clears throat> and so he's landed in Caesarea, and uh, Philip, uh, Philip and the the Ethiopian, you know, <laughs> Ethiopian eunuch, that guy there, um, and he, he's hanging out with those guys. And um, anyway, in verse 10 of chapter 21, when the, we had been there a number of days, this is in Caesarea, very close now to going up to Jerusalem, We've been there a number of days. A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. He took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand them over to the Gentiles. So this prophet Agabus is predicting, they're going to bind you, Paul. They're going to capture you in Jerusalem, and it's not going to be good. Well, Paul already had foreknowledge of that, and so Paul's reply is this. Well, then those gathered around him who cared so much for Paul, they said this, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. I remember when Beth and I were getting ready to go to New Guinea, people pleading with us. They saw our cute little boy. So so, don't do this. Just don't do this. Can't be good. They pleaded with Paul. Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up. He said, the Lord's will be done. Um, You know, when we first started Radius, the first uh, class that we had down there, uh, we would not allow uh, people that were married with children to come down there. We just didn't have the facilities for it. And... uh, And we realized, you know what? Uh, We can talk about sacrifice and suffering all we want if we're all single. Because as adults, we'll lay our lives down uh, for a credible, reasonable cause. We'll do that. People do that in war all the time. But until you have children in the mix, you can't really talk about consecration and sacrifice. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's for you guys to understand the difficulties of raising children overseas and seeing them... uh, Forget about thriving, just enduring, just doing well enough to where they have a, some hope of being able to come back to their home country. We talk about finishing well a lot down at Radius. Turn lastly to this passage, and we'll summarize here. in Second Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> uh, this is Second uh, Timothy, if, if you've read your Bible as much. It's a pretty, uh, man, it's a heart-rending book. Paul's writing it to Timothy. He says, everybody in the province of Asia has deserted me. That includes Ephesus is in Asia. Uh, Paul's in the last prison cell. He's not in the prison cell that that he would end up in at the end of the book of Acts. This is a prison cell that he would be let out from. And uh, church history has a couple different things. But he would go from here to his death. And so Paul is uh, summarizing. He's giving his his parting final thoughts. And listen to this. Paul says this in verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure guys you're going to be there we're all going to be there man I, I look at these guys and, and I blink my eyes and it was like two minutes ago I was young and healthy and you know had hair and wasn't fat you know and uh, I looked awesome you know back when I was 23. I suck now okay and you got a mixed group here okay so you guys are looking great but you're going to suck too just you know wind it forward a little bit uh, hey it's all happened to you it's all happening to you and Paul now is at the end of his life and I don't know what he was like when he was 30 or 25 was he ripped you know, was he yoked I don't know yeah. <clears throat> who knows but he's an old guy now he's bent over and these, you're going to watch them grow older some of you guys to be able to say like Paul did I'm being poured out like a drink offering and the time has come for my departure I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith Paul had, his voice isn't wavering now. He knows he has finished well. The, th- the race the Lord marked out for him, he had run it and he had finished it. Man, I haven't been here with you guys not long, but I'll tell you what, I'm excited as I see some people really serious about the walk of the Lord. But I gotta say this too. If you're like my church, we got a lot of folks that are really excited about, man, finding the thing that God has for them, running the race and finishing it well. We got a lot of people like that. And then we've got guys that are riding along on the coattails. I'm part of an awesome church. My church is doing this. Blah 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 blah. What are you doing? You're going to wait till you're 50 to wake up and kick it in gear. Find out what is that thing the Lord has for me to do. And I'm so grateful for a youth pastor. We called him the youth pastor from hell. Nobody really liked our youth pastor. But he got us going in the Christian life as soon as we got saved. Find that thing God has for you. So Paul finishes this. And I've kept the faith now because he has kept the faith, he has finished the race. Because of that, Paul will say, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me. And I don't have time to get into the whole thing of the, the different crowns. But look at the way that Paul panted after righteousness. And the frustration of not being able to find righteousness in the law. And the freedom he experienced when he realized, man, the righteousness is attainable by faith. That freed Paul to sing and leap and not look at himself and and how incapable he was of keeping the law. He wanted righteousness. The crown of righteousness was the most precious one to him. Because it had eluded him for years of his life. He says, I'm going to get me, I'm going to get that crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And here's our hope. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Have you lived life in such a way, I'm dying to get out of the me I love my kids, love my grandkids. Get me out of here. I want to be with my Savior. This world holds nothing for me. I'm not living for retirement. I'm a part of a group of guys in San Diego. We just we did this 15 years ago. We're done. We're not, we're not talking about retirement. We're never going to do it you will have to drag me kicking and screaming out of radius When I'm babbling and you know, drool coming out of my mouth <clears> That's probably not that far away <clears throat> But are you living for retirement? Or are you living to find the race that God has for you And to run it well? Brothers and sisters They've got to do that They've publicly And we talk about this a lot Talk as big as God has led They have told all of you Many of you guys Their goal They put it out on This is what God has for us Hold us to it Do the same. Do the same. What's the goal? What's the target? What's the race God has for you? Find it. Tell others. Make it hard to turn around. Make it hard hard on yourself to go back to live the casual Christian lifestyle. Speak big. We have a big God. and He needs people living a big Christian life in Tehachapi, Antelope Valley, Kern County, Southern California. Do it here. And raise up your kids to do the same thing that they're doing. I didn't know I married a girl, my wife, and she was raised by her parents to be expendable. We loved you, honey, but you're expendable for your king. Raise your kids. We'd love to see more of them at Radius, not because we want them at Radius. We want them to team up with these guys in other places that are so desperately needed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this church, the leadership here, the rank and file, people that will dig deep, put off things that they would like to do to support this couple and others that will follow them. Lord, we pray your blessing on Jonathan and Lisa. May they start well. May they keep their heart right with you and with their partners, Lord. May you anoint their times of language study. And Lord, we long eagerly for the day when there are believers in a church in that part of the world. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.